1: All right, good morning, Thrive! Man, what a beautiful day, huh? Not bad at all. And so all day, uh, worship team's gonna come back at like one o'clock and just worship here for a while. There's another worship band coming later in the day. Uh, Jay Peters, a a speaker, regional evangelist is coming. Um, But now, right now, is a very dear friend of mine. Uh, He was back here, was it last November? Was it something like that? Uh, like six months ago or so, we had a very dear friend of mine, a few of you met him at our houses. his name is Scott Hinkle. He's an evangelist. He's preached all over the world. He is one of the very first people to pioneer a Mardi Gras outreach. So they go to Mardi Gras. They do not partake. They bring the gospel. He's led that team for many years. Uh, He got saved during the Jesus movement, helped establish numerous ministries, uh, and just an amazing man of God, a dear friend of mine. Give it up for Scott Hinkle.
2: Yes, sir. Wow, what an incredible introduction. I almost wondered what you were talking about, but it's good. Whoa, man, what an amazing gathering we have here today on the City Hall front lawn. I mean, this couldn't happen in a lot of parts of America, and it's an honor to be here. How many of you love your pastor? You know, that was close, but I need to ask that again. We need to adjust the sound so I can be heard. How many of you love your pastor? Ah, all right, good. We were clear there. I sure known these guys for a long time and honored uh, to be a friend. And, I mean, yesterday I was in the hood here in Chicago, and today I'm in the suburbs. So, you know, this is what we do. I, miss, I said that to my wife, text her. She said, that's how we roll. But, um... You know, just in this setting, I'm reminded of a verse in Micah 6, verse 9. That, Listen, the Lord is calling to the city. And I believe God is calling. When He calls to a city, He's not calling to the building. He's calling to people, isn't He? I think I may switch to a... Uh, is this alright, guys? Or should I? Okay, good. I'll keep rolling. But I've really come to speak to you today about two words. But God's not going to speak to a building. He speaks to people. The first group of people he speaks to are those that know him. How many of you know Jesus and love him and you're following him today? This is the moment to fess up. And then he speaks to those that don't know him. And what I felt like I wanted to talk with you about this morning is two simple words that we're going to focus on today. And before we're finished, I'm going to ask you to... Make some choices and decisions. They may be one of the most important decisions you could ever make. And the choices we make with God always lead to change. How many of you have discovered that? I'm talking about radical change in our life. How many of you believe our world and our country need radical change? All right, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Personally, uh, I have experienced the supernatural divine power of change in my own life. I have to say that I am not a church kid. I'm born and raised in New Jersey. How many of you want to hold that against me? You say you're from New Jersey and people look at you funny. I, I came from an average middle class home. I'm Jewish. I was raised to have... Great aspirations and lofty goals. I played music, so I was going to go to the Juilliard School of Music in New York. That was a goal. I also had an interest in law and believe it or not, politics. I wanted to be the first Jewish president of the United States. So I thought maybe I'd go to Princeton University. And some of my family were high achievers. But as a young man, as a youth, I began to make Choices. Say the word choices with me. Choosing the crowd I didn't want to be a part of. And the crowd that I decided to be a part of. Developing friendships. Began using drugs. You know the story. Before long I was running the streets addicted to heroin. Stealing and dealing. Arrested. Ended up locked up in a psychiatric ward for 40 days after I was trading and abetting the sale of narcotics. A far cry from the choices I thought I'd made as a young man. I ended up getting thrown out of the state of New Jersey. And landed in a little town in Kansas, if you can believe it or not. Somebody who's raised that side of New York goes to a little town in Kansas... I mean, sometimes Kansas is so flat, you can see your dog run away for two weeks. But the choices I made at that point in my life were quite severe. And the only destination could have been, sure, destruction, prison, and probably an early grave. Then on a Tuesday morning in March 24th, I'm in high school. Uh, It was my fifth year in high school. I was a professional high school student. It was my third high school. It's an anti-drug lecture. I was absolutely bored. Why? Because I was 19 and I thought I knew everything. I'm sitting in the balcony, and the guy who's giving the lecture had been a rock musician in Hollywood, and he's telling the story of a near-fatal overdose. I'm making fun of him. All of a sudden, I feel something brush across my face, and I hear a voice. It wasn't the loud, booming, audible voice, but it's what I would call the whisper. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say the whisper? And the whisper to me, Hank will listen to this guy. He's got something to say. You don't know everything. Now, that is great information for a 19-year-old that you don't know everything. I felt compelled to talk to him. I won't bore you with all of the details, but I borrowed a car, and that was a miracle in itself. I borrowed it from my cousin, who would never have lent me a quarter, let alone his car. I found out what his schedule was, caught up with him two assemblies later. We began to talk to him. I walked into this one little town, and... um, Looked a little different than I do today. I was about, let's see, I weighed the other day. I was about 70 pounds lighter than I am today. Had long hair, pierced ear, eight hairs hanging from my chin. Brother, I couldn't do what you're doing right now. I tried real hard with eight hairs. I looked like a reject from a bad pirate movie. Nevertheless, they threw me out of the one school, said, you don't go here, and that was true, and I walked out into the parking lot and I saw a 1969 red and white Malibu Supersport Chevy, for anyone who pays attention to cars. And his wife was on the inside reading her Bible. He'd introduced her earlier. And as I looked into the window, she's reading her Bible. And her Bible is underlined. And I thought that was the epitome of being sacrilegious. A, little, a couple of little red stickers on the glove box that said, smile, Jesus loves you, and I'm going, Jesus freaks. I'd read about them in a newspaper. They lived in a commune in mud in the hills. I wanted nothing to do with that. And her husband came out and said, hey, let's go get something to eat, and we ended up in an a and root beer stamp parking lot. Got something to eat. I had a friend with me. His wife kept talking to my friend. He took me out to the car, and you see, friends, those were the days when they would greet most weird-looking people in the back of most churches with a pair of scissors and a can of Lysol. Tell them to go get cleaned up, go get shaped, get your act together, then come to the church. I didn't understand almost anything he said to me about Christianity, but I saw something in his life, and I made up my mind, whatever he's got, I'm going to get it. I thought at first maybe it was music. I played a little music, rock musician in Hollywood. Man, that was like, my eyes got big. But no, he had somebody, and there was something intangibly different. Have you ever met somebody, there's just something different about them? The way they walk, the way they talk, the way they uh, present themselves. And as I looked at him, I thought, I want God. Sitting in the front seat of his car, he's got a, he opens his Bible, he's talking to me, I don't understand anything he's saying. I don't know that I need to go through the typical evangelical protocol to have my life changed. But I bow my head in the front seat of that car and silently begin to cry out, God, if you can do everything this man is talking about, then go on ahead and do it. Jesus, it's you are the gutter, I've been in the gutter, I'm out of options. Funny thing, Jesus was listening. Immediately, I felt like someone came in on the inside of me, and the only picture I had mentally was a guy in painter's coveralls with a scrub brush and a hose because I felt like I was getting a bath on the inside. Anyone here ever had that feeling? Immediately, I knew that I'd had an answer. Problems, And within an hour and a half after he gave me a paperback New Testament and a stack of literature, I went back to the little town I was living in. Ran into a kid I knew and I looked at him and I said, Hey man, I just asked Jesus in my life, I don't have to do jokes anymore. Don't you knock him till you try him. That was years ago. I know you heard that. But you see, that choice that I made, even though I knew zero about Christianity, changed me, altered and transformed my present and my future that I'm living today. You see, when we make the right choice with Christ, it leads to change. Change is an integral part of Christianity. We have to understand that the very presence of Jesus Christ in any situation and in most importantly a life lovingly and yet clearly calls for change. Jesus said unless you repent or change you'll perish. Friends, I believe it's impossible to have an encounter with the Bible Jesus and stay the same. You have to know that when Jesus came on the scene, religion as it was known changed forever. When Christ comes into your heart. There's a verse in the Bible that says Christ makes his home in your heart. How many of you have ever moved to a new home or a new apartment? As soon as you move in, boy, you begin to move stuff around. You begin to hang pictures. In my house, we've moved several times. And my wife will start with putting the the couch here, some chairs over here, a table over here. Then wait a minute. The the couch goes over here. The table goes. You begin to rearrange it for yourself and your liking. And when Christ comes into our life, He begins to rearrange everything in our life. Now, look. I mean, whether you were a drug addict, gang member tattooed on the back of a Harley, smelling like a sewer, are we, oh yes, sir, let there be noise. Or we were sophisticated, squeaky clean, and religious with Chanel number five driving a Bentley. When Christ comes into our life, there must be. Change and it's for the better. You see, the presence of Christ is radical, and when you think of the word radical, oftentimes we think of something outward, Uh, we think of style, hair, actions, and that actually has nothing to do with the word radical. The word radical comes from the Latin word radix, meaning the heart and the core and the root of something. Friends, Christianity is not radical because we come out to the park and sing. Now, that's good. Christianity is radical right at the core. You can begin with a baby that was born of a virgin. That's radical. I was talking to a man one time, older than I am, By a riverside, we were all sharing. And he looks at me and he says, Scott, this is modern America. Do you actually expect me to believe babies come from virgins? I looked at him. I said, sir, you don't have to believe in a lot of them, just one. But it begins there. That's radical. Secondarily, this child who was born in a miraculous way grew up and faced every temptation every one of us has ever faced. And yet the good news is he did not give in. And because of that, he qualified to pay the price for all of the sins, everything wrong we've ever done. How many of you are grateful for what God and Christ have done in your life? You know, I know you're not going to believe this. I have two growing grandsons, and they spent the night at my house not too long ago. And we did not have ample breakfast food for two growing teenagers. So what that meant was I had to climb in my car and go to Mickey D's, go to McDonald's. And you know what you do. You get in the car, you pull up to the box, you give your order. And then you, they say, pay at the first window. You go around. I pulled up to the first window and the lady looks at me and says, sir. The man in the pickup truck ahead of you just paid for your breakfast. Now, I had plenty of money to buy those big whatcha-whatcha-breakfasts with everything in the world on them. And I hung my head out the window, and I didn't recognize the truck. So I did this. Thank you! I wanted the man on the other end of the parking lot to hear me. Now, like I said, I had plenty of money. I could have bought his breakfast. That wasn't an issue. I was grateful. But then when I hear somebody mumble, well, Jesus died for my sin. Are you kidding me? He paid the price for everything wrong we've ever said, thought, or done. Paid a debt we could never pay. All of our bank accounts rolled together here. All of our stocks, investments, pink slips, could not repay God for the price that he paid to give us the freedom to be here today. How many of you are thankful to God? Come on, let's say thank you Jesus right now. Out loud, I want you to say thank you Jesus. Come on, let's get real with it. Wow! When God raised Jesus from the dead, there was so much to it. He proved, one, that he loves us. Secondarily, that If he could raise his son from the dead, he could put your life back together again. He could bring your marriage back. He could bring those wandering children home. He could give you hopes that were decimated and had just about disappeared from you in your life. Simply because he resurrected from the dead. And matter of fact, the resurrection proves, hey, how many of you know Jesus is here today? Where two or three are gathered together in my name. There he is in the midst. I'll inhabit the praises of my people. When we're worshiping God, the Spirit of God shows up again. I mean, my goodness gracious, when you put your full trust in God, in the God you've never seen. Think about it. You and I have never seen the God that we speak of as we are eyeballing each other right now. And what happens When you declare your trust and you trust him with your past, your present, your future, your sins are forgiven. That's change. Guilt and shame is gone. That's change. There's freedom from life-controlling habits. There's freedom from things that were done to you, unwarranted. Change. The two words we're talking about are choice And change. A change in heart, a change in mind, a change in life. You know, when I think of Christianity, I kind of think of water. You know, water has use in every temperature. On a day like today, you might like an ice cold drink of iced tea or water uh, or soda. Um, Ice is a preservative. I'll tell you, I'll go on record. I thank God almost every day for a man named Carrier who invented air conditioning. I live in Dallas. With our weather lately, we've just picked up on the statement, it's better to burn in this life than the next. That's all right. Then there's room temperature water, which I prefer. If I were to drink ice cold water before speaking to you, what's left of this raspy old voice would be frozen. But you know, water becomes most potent at 212 degrees, the boiling point. It's powerful. It's lethal. Matter of fact, You can lift an airplane off an aircraft carrier on steam power. That's how powerful it is. My friends, Christianity has no value with 32 degrees. Very little value at room temperature, or I like to say 98.6, normal. A little higher than room temperature. Christianity is most powerful in a life and through a life at the boiling point 212 degrees I'm talking about a world that needs red hot Christianity I'm not going to speak much longer you know every personal relationship with Jesus Christ starts with a choice and I talking about water let me ask you this what Temperature of Christianity might you prefer for yourself? Ice cold, you know, room temperature, kind of normal, average, or at the boiling point? The two words we've spoken about today. See, the worst thing I could do today is preach a long, boring, preaching, teaching sermon. But the two words we've talked about constantly, choices and change. Our life is filled with choices, isn't it? We choose where we live. We choose where we don't want to live. We choose where we go to eat. We choose who we marry. Uh, We choose what we where we are, what we eat, we, choices and decisions were made to be baptized today. Great choice. You chose to come here today. Three choices that I want to just lay out for us here today. The first choice is this. To actually begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Friends, going to church is wonderful. The fellowship, the good feeling, the vibe, some nice music, good donuts and coffee. But going to church never made anyone a child of God or a Christian any more than living in your garage turns you into a car. It begins when you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the death that he suffered, he did it for the world but for you and that you ask him to forgive him and live inside of your heart that's choice number one choice number two as you're here today you love God but you know you need to renew your relationship with Christ C.S. Lewis made this interesting statement Christianity can be anything but moderate. Let me repeat that. Christianity can be anything but moderate. Interesting, you go to the book of Revelation. I wondered when it was going to refer to the Bible. And there's a story about a church being addressed for all of the wonderful things that they were doing. But they lost their first love. You go through the motions. You do the things. You show up. But your first love, he said, go back and do the things you did at first. For those of you that are married, can you remember the days when you were courting and just married? The other day I found a, a letter that my wife wrote me. Just before we were married, I was living, we were She'd gone to school, and she wrote me a letter that said, uh, I, I won't forget you. Hallelujah. After all these years, she's not forgotten me. But I thought, man, that just did something to me. You begin to think of the little silly things you did in times. Yeah, you know, I remember the first place I took her out to eat was an Italian restaurant in Pennsylvania. She's Italian. I'm Jewish. We get along really well when it comes to good food. Maybe today you need to renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you're living at room temperature. Come see, come see, men's and Friends, the world is waiting in eager expectation for the sons of God and the daughters to be revealed. There's never been a greater moment than for those that are serving Christ to commit their lives as was being referenced in the testimony earlier to commit their life to being used by Jesus Christ to make a difference we are here to be a voice a voice of God to the world that we live in when you make this commitment God begins to open up a whole new dimension of life your steps begin to be ordered and directed by the Lord you begin to have divine appointments some of them are crazy I had a crazy one the other other day where I live in, in Texas I had to go to a city office to pick up a document I walked in two policemen talking to a woman Intense conversation, a lot of profanity flowing. I just go to the window trying to take care of my business. I get a tap on my shoulder. It's one of the policemen. He says, does this offend you? Referring to the profanity. I didn't answer him immediately. I had a check in my heart. He turns to me again and he says, does this offend you? And immediately I said, sir, I'm a minister. I have heard a lot of this language, and I'd prefer not to hear it. As I looked at the lady, she said, I'm a godly woman, blankety, blank, 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 and unless you're going to pray for me, and I stopped, and I lifted my arm and pointed my finger at her. And I said, I pray that you get peace in your heart, and this situation gets settled rightly. Right in the middle of that crazy situation. I turned around, got my little paper, and left. And funny as I walked out the door, I looked over my shoulder, glanced at the policeman. Now, he couldn't give me a thumbs up, but I could detect a a sly smile on his countenance, and I just kept moving. But I was in a position where I had to take a stand and say something. The three choices we talked about here today, I want want to present them to each and every one that's listening to my voice right now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me for just a moment. Be very brief. No one looking around. Are you here today? And you say, Scott, I need to be honest. I have never given my life to Jesus Christ I've never personally asked Christ to come into my life and forgive me of my sins and live inside of me if you've never done that and today you say I want to do that I'm going to ask you to just put your right hand up and down for just a moment we're going to pray no one else is looking around yes sir thank you secondly this you can put that down thank you sir Secondly, this you hear that you say, Scott, I'm a believer, but my relationship with Christ is not at 212 degrees. It's at room temperature. It's at 98.6, however you want to define it. But you say, I choose to renew my relationship with Jesus Christ. Return to my first love, doing the things I did before, my my prayer life, my word, my my allowing God to use my life in any situation but I choose to renew my commitment to Christ this day no one else is looking around would you put your right hand up right now and put it down no one else is looking around yes thank you thank you Thank you thank you thank you. Thirdly this you say this Scott, I choose to live my Christian life beyond myself and beyond my own personal experiences. And I choose to live like Jesus said I am. He said I'm salt and light. You were designed to influence somebody else being salt and light. You may occupy a pulpit. You may go about your daily life. But God will open and put you in situations that you can be an influence in Christ's name to the world around you. You are an ambassador. The Bible says that you are heaven's representative. But you say, Scott, today I choose to live my life beyond myself but to allow Jesus to use me to spread his love, his life, and his light to others. If you will make that commitment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. And if you raise your hand on either two, those of you that did, either two choices before, would you join these? On their feet. If you're unable to stand, I understand that. Uh, Do I have to stand? You ought to. Everybody else is standing for everything that's wicked and evil in America. I think of when I went to school, they taught me reading, writing, and arithmetic, not whether I was a boy or a girl. Something has to be said. Who will rise up for me against evildoers? Who will take a stand for me against the workers of iniquity? Psalm 94, 10 says, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have settled in silence. Friends, we cannot be silent. All of the teachings of Jesus boil down to two things, that we live them and that we tell them. Well, Scott, if I do good, is that enough? No. According to the Bible, no. How will they hear unless somebody says something? Romans 2. We've got to say something. Thrive, I'm honored to be your friend but I, bel- I, I, am, I am on a national campaign to see God's people arise, shine, knowing their light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon them. That's Isaiah 60. As we see darkness that's covering the earth and think darkness that's over the people, we don't shrink back, but we arise. We, we make our stand in our life and our family. Our children follow the stands that we make. The choices we make will lead to change within us and through us. I'm going to ask you to raise both hands to the Lord as if you're lifting up the entirety of your life. Our prayer will be twofold here today. First of all, with those making a first-time or a renewal commitment to Christ. And secondly, that we choose, and we will declare that we choose to allow Jesus to use our life as a vessel of life and grace and love and hope and mercy and help. Let's, say, let's pray out loud that we fill this community. Matter of fact, that we overrun the automobiles out there. All together. Lord Jesus, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness and loving kindness. You've done more for me than I could ever deserve. I ask you paid the price for everything wrong. I've ever said, every sin I've ever committed. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, being buried and rising again just for me. Come live in my life. I, che- I commit my life 100% to you, Lord. Lord, in this day, I ask you to use my life, all that I am and all that I'm not, Everything I have and everything I don't have. Lord, you said I'm designed for influence. Influence my world through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, can we give God an expression of thanks? Come on. God, we thank you today. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we adore you. We honor you today. I want to make just a comment and I want to pray my blessing before I give the service back to pastor. If you made a commitment or a recommitment to Christ, you need to talk to pastor, one of the leaders here, and just say, hey man, I just made a commitment to Jesus. Why do I need to do that? It marks you. What do you mean? Man, you've, you've punched the devil in the face by telling him, I'm selling out to Christ. I gave my life to Christ. I began to tell people what had happened in my life, and I was known in that community for being a real mess. And I went public as much as I could. It marked me. Funny, the first little church that took me in, today I serve on an overseer board on that church. Wild, but God does. I urge you, you come and talk to pastor. You come and talk to one of the other leaders here. And you say, man, I made a commitment. I made a commitment to Christ. And I believe God can bring healing to your family, to your relationships and your body. And I'm going to pray for you right now in that way. I hadn't planned on it, but I feel like I must. If you've come today and you're fighting with sickness or infirmity, or you have a need for healing in any way in your life, would you once again raise your right hand? I'm going to ask someone near you. The Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. To lay their hands on you. You say, Scott, I've got one hand. I need prayer. Will the other hand, reach out to somebody else. It's all right. I'm going to pray right now. But Father, in the name of Jesus. Your words says, Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus, thank you for your healing power. You're healing broken hearts. You're healing tormented mind. You're healing sickness, Lord. There is no sickness that can withstand the power in the name of Christ in the blood of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, as we as believers follow your word in laying hands on the sick, Lord, that you'll heal homes and marriages. Lord, you'll bring children home and heal the relationships between parent and child. Lord, that there will be freedom from addiction here today. Just as I testified how you set me free, you are a freedom-bringing God. We thank you for that today, Lord. In Jesus' name,
0: amen.